Hello and welcome to episode 153 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson. With me in Los Angeles is Nathan Fox. How's it going, Nathan? Pretty good, man. Yeah, running around like a chicken with my head cut off, leaving for San Francisco tomorrow. Um, excited to go to New York City later this month. Yeah, that'll be great. August 25th and 26th for a class. It's almost last chance to sign up for that. So people who uh, want to join us in New York City at the end of August, you need to go to thinkinglsat.com and sign up for that class. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we're going to be doing a recent test, right? Yeah. Test 83, I think. Yeah, we'll do prep test 83 plus a bunch of other stuff. I mean, what bring a bunch of logic games um, and just whatever the class wants to talk about. That's that's how we normally both teach our classes, right? Not a lot of theory mm-hmm. first. Instead, yeah. it's sort of like, let's dive into some real tests and see what you're struggling with and build the class around uh, what the people in the room actually need to work on. Yeah. And random things that come up in the practice problems that we do leads to a lot of interesting discussions. Yes. So. Yeah, looking forward to it. It was really fun teaching with you last time. I'm, I am looking forward to getting back in the classroom with you. Yeah, no, that was fun. Cool. Well, today on the show, we um, we want to give an update on our VIP Supreme Gatekeeper. Uh, we've chosen Sarah and Annalisa. So thank you for all of those of you who submitted applications, if you will. We got a ton of... Um, support from a lot of people and that was heartwarming of course yeah a lot of good candidates Um, too i mean everybody who applied was i I would have been happy with just everybody who who submitted (laughs) so you know we had to pick um and uh sarah and annalisa get the gig but uh thanks again yeah thanks everybody who submitted yeah no uh, tons of very qualified candidates so um sorry if you didn't get chosen but it really didn't have anything to do with your qualifications uh as for but for a volunteer um, gig too, I mean, it's <laughs> <just> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much. By the way, VIP that's volunteer intern producer, supreme geek, supreme gatekeeper. That's the that's the line item for Sarah and Annalisa on their resume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just a random tip that I I learned this week. Okay. Uh, from a good friend. She said that if you talk to Alexa, you can tell Alexa to play the thinking LSAT podcast and it will pop up the most recent episode of the show. Wow. I was surprised by that. I'm surprised. I never realized that before or even thought to ask Alexa, given how much we can ask her. Wait, so does that mean, Uh, hold on. So if I go Alexa, play the thinking LSAT podcast, did that just start playing the thinking LSAT podcast on everybody's Alexa? around if they're yeah. listening to it <laughs> yeah yeah unless of course they're listening to it on alexa oh right Could, can alexa prompt herself i don't know if that's Ooh, possible i don't know can god microwave a burrito so hot <laughs> that he himself cannot eat it where, where did that come from <laughs> i'm serious this is a philosophical question god has unlimited powers right okay sure okay so god's at 7-eleven he's hungry he microwaves a burrito for himself can he microwave a burrito so hot that he himself cannot eat it? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think God can break the rules, right? But if he can microwave a burrito so hot that he himself cannot eat it, then there's then something by he can't do. But he's just done it. But then he can't eat the burrito. <laughs> Uh, 
I don't know, Nathan. That's that's a conundrum. I think it um, it must mean that God doesn't exist, according to your logic. I don't know. It's just I'm not. I don't, I'm struggling <laughs> to understand the magical powers. That's all. Um, <clears throat> Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So can Alexa prompt herself? See, that's I don't know. Alexa has magic powers too. Okay. Deep, deep questions here that need to be resolved. Please write in and tell us. Um, that's more important than any LSAT question you might be asking. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you an update uh, on the numbers. So, if, uh, and I should say, if you guys have any questions, you can always email us at help at thinkinglsat.com. That's now going to go to Sarah and Annalisa, and they will kindly um, put your email on the agenda or direct you to the previous episodes that may have addressed those questions. So, continue to write. Yeah, to thank you very questions. much for all the questions to help at thinkinglsat.com. We really do appreciate that. For for four years and one hundred and fifty three now episodes of the podcast, those emails have been going into the inbox of both me and Ben. And we have really appreciated the outpouring of questions and support for the show, but it has gotten to the point where it's just overwhelming, uh, flooding our inboxes. And so we appreciate the questions very much and we hope that you'll keep them coming, but those are now going to be filtered through, um, our volunteer intern producers, Sarah and Annalisa. And uh, I think the quality of the show is going to improve because that just means that we're going to get more new ideas onto the top of the show and less like stats debating and less, you know, when, when somebody's only listened to one or two episodes and they write in with a question, I mean, Sarah and Annalisa are going to be able to point them to an episode where we talked about that issue at length. And uh, so it's just going to keep some of the repeated issues out of the podcast and hopefully we'll, we'll get a little more timely, topical, new stuff into the show, as well as <laughs> relieving a bit of stress from, uh, from my life and from Ben's life. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If you haven't joined the uh, Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook, I would suggest doing that. It continues to grow. There are now over 700 members. Um, we have 32 patrons on Patreon donating $166 every month. Thank you, as always. That's up two patrons, by the way, and they're each donating $1 a month, which makes me very happy. Really, when people sign up to donate $1 a month, it makes me super happy. I, I don't know why, but donate any amount. But even if you just want to give us a buck, we, we really like that. It's like you're kind of on our team. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's very nice. We also have uh, 302 ratings and... 80 reviews on iTunes. Oh, okay. So the reviews are people who have it actually written, actually written something. Yeah. And I looked at the reviews cause you know, we've been talking about it on recent episodes. <laughs> there was a hilarious one at the top of the, at the top, the most recent review on iTunes was hilarious, but um, okay. iTunes weirdly wouldn't let me copy. They wouldn't let me copy the text. So I was going to put it into the agenda and we could talk about it. But um, anyway, thank you very much. If you, if you just hit the five stars, we really appreciate that. But if you actually jot down a little bit of, uh, you know, what the show's like or what you like about it or make a stupid joke, I mean, we appreciate that too. So rate and review on iTunes really helps other people find us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, please hook us up with your pre-law societies uh, or society, whatever connections you have um, to facilitate that. You can email podcast at thinkinglsat.com. Uh, I think that's Annalisa, right? Yes. Who's- managing that but no, she will 
Oh, Cassidy. Sorry, Cassidy. Thank you. Um, podcast at thinkinglsat.com. Please email Cassidy at that email address and um, connect your pre-law society with her. She will then connect them with us and we will continue to uh, give them good stuff that they can then push to their members. But don't worry, it won't be every day, just every other day. That helps so. us to share resources with your uh, pre-law society or with your pre-law advisor. I mean, you know, the pre-law advisors out there are like so terrible, Ben. In so many cases, mm-hmm. we hear such bad mm-hmm. advice coming from pre-law advisors. And maybe we can help to educate your pre-law advisors. If you just tell us who they are, we can start to send them timely tips and newsletters and stuff like that. I don't know exactly what we're going to do, but we can get in touch with them and we can help them be better at their jobs. We can also use your pre-law societies and contacts to help schedule more live classes across the country. I I know we're looking at Chicago for sure, and we're we're looking at other places where we could come teach. If you hook us up with your uh, pre-law society, then that increases the chances that we're going to come to your neck of the woods. Yeah. Uh, you can always tweet us at Thinking LSAT. You can tweet Nathan at N Fox or me at Olson Benjamin. Uh, we love to hear from people there. Uh, you can also learn more about what we offer locally at strategyprep.com and foxlsat.com. We also both have online classes and do one on one tutoring on Skype, uh, which will reach you anywhere, wherever you are. Yep. Um, that's that. Funny thing on Twitter. So, um, can we start with that? Yeah, let's start with that. That is good. Yeah, I I looked at Twitter this morning, and uh, as I do when I'm at Starbucks waiting for my coffee. And um, let's see, where did that tweet go? It's pretty hilarious. So this is a tweet from at official underscore LSAT, which is the law school admission council. Mm. I hate the underscore, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, that is is weak. It says, hashtag July LSAT scores will be posted as planned on Friday, August 10, which as we record is tomorrow. So that means Mm -hmm. that by the time this episode comes out early next week, the scores for July will already be out. Um, They will not start posting before 9 a.m. Eastern time. Hashtag we listened. (laughs) Which (laughs) it's, it's kind of funny. Like, what do you think? Do do they, what do they mean? What are they talking about? I don't know. I guess people want it to come at a predictable time. They don't like the uncertainty of when it will arrive in their inbox. Is it potentially coming out? Oh, I thought maybe it's coming out earlier. No, it sounds like it's on time, which is better. Oh, oh, oh. I thought when they said... Well, hold on a second. When was the July LSAT? It was Monday, July 23rd. And now the scores are going to come out. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's a full three business weeks later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At least it's not coming out on Monday the 13th. That would be actually 21 days. But instead it's coming out. It was the test was on a Monday and it's coming out three Fridays later. Oh, and okay. So it's coming out as scheduled hashtag mm-hmm. we listened. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. I thought it struck me as early. So I thought maybe they were like, well, yeah, we listened to your, you know, complaining that the tet- that the scores take so goddamn long to come out. Oh, but yeah. of course it's not that. That no. still is. It. So we listened to some of your complaints, but not the other ones. <laughs> I was hoping that they had hashtag we listened to the thinking else at podcast in which case yeah. <laughs> they would modernize and they would start putting the LSAT, putting the scores out something more reasonably than 
three whole goddamn weeks after the test for a test that's on Scantron. And it takes them three weeks to send out an email with your score. That's How about this? Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I mean, it's, I mean, they just, I guess they need time or whatever to collect all the tests, but uh, it's the problem of a paper-based test, right? It's, they're still stuck in the nineties. So that's their issue. I mean, yeah, but still, like, Scantrons are pretty goddamn fast machines, right? Like, you... <laughs> I think the issue is shipping this test back, no? Fucking FedEx overnight shit, like, around the world, 24 hours. Yeah. That shit should be back in... Listen. Let's get cut into their profit margins. I mean, for the oh. nonprofit organization. Oh. <laughs> Every single person in the room is paying $190 to take the test. Yeah. How much does FedEx cost? How much can it possibly cost to pay somebody? You're paying somebody $10 an hour in Newtown, Pennsylvania, or, you know, to, to run the, the, the sheets through the Scantron machine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, Ben. The test is on a Monday. Let's say FedEx takes two days to get the, the, the sheets back to Newtown. Yeah. How, long, how many do you think... So if if you put me or you in charge of the the Scantron machine, how many do you think mm-hmm. we could run through in a day? Thousands. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. How, yeah. how hard is it? Is it like a manual feed where you're like putting it? You're like, oh oh, is it going to take it? Is it like trying to get a dollar no, bill into be, the coin yeah, machine? Yeah, it can't be manual feed. And plus, you just get more machines. It, this is something they do. <laughs> This technology for these Scantrons is like 50 years old. It's not, like, it's not like this is brand new, like, oh boy, this is a very, very delicate operation. This is like, yeah, I, I don't, it just seems like a one week turnaround would be, I mean, cause then ultimately the score go out, goes out in an email. Yeah. So really what, what three weeks though, to get the scores out. I guess, hmm, they have the whole like Saturday Sabbath thing and the accommodated test takers Mm -hmm. thing, taking it on different days. Okay. Give them one, give them, give them one full business week or a week and a half. I mean, I just, it's still, it takes twice as long as it by any normal. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's like being processed by the DMV or something. I, I don't get it. Well, yeah, they kind of feel like the DMV. You know, uh, did you reply to this tweet? You no. should have replied to it and told them to join the Thinking LSAT community. Why not? Like, we could bring them in. If you, you really wanted to listen, unfold. yeah, you hashtag we listen. You should hashtag we listen to, you know, our coming up on a thousand members of the podcast community on Facebook. And they, I'm sure <laughs> our listeners would have plenty of uh, things to tell the LSAC. Yeah. I okay all right yeah I guess maybe it's they listened to people complaining about it's too stressful if the scores come out on on not on schedule yeah at random times mm-hmm. is that really stressful I don't know I, I have heard people complain about that people like to complain they do I like to complain so I mean I don't really I shouldn't complain about that mm. okay should we move on sure. So uh, this first, I'll tackle this first one just really quickly. Do it. Jessica sent in this article um, about an ABA meeting, and apparently this is a meeting that happens every year or something like that. In any case, they're going to – let me just read this. While awaiting the ABA House of Delegates, Delegates action 
on two major legal education resolutions. The Council of the ABA Section of Legal Education and Admissions to the Bar will discuss guidance for admission standards and reporting disclosures during an open session of its Friday meeting. Apparently this meeting has already happened. Yeah. I'll give you an update on that in just a second. So specific standards mentioned in the Council's agenda include the 509 reports, which we talk about all the time. Which need to have bar passage rates on them. God damn you. Which used to have bar passage rates, and then they took them off in the most recent version of the 509. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. Yep. So they're going to discuss the uh, 509 reports and the 501 reports, which requires the law school that law schools only admit candidates who appear capable <laughs> of comp- completing law school and passing a bar exam. When I saw that, I was like, wait, I had never heard of this requirement. Uh, it makes sense, but I don't feel like any laws, like there's a ton of law schools who have bar passage rates that are below 50%, right? What, it, how they can't be complying with this requirement. But in any case, um, when the house meets on Monday and Tuesday it is likely to vote on long discussed resolutions to end requirements that accredited law schools use admission tests and to restructure the council itself. Well, newsflash, they did not end the requirement to require an admissions test. So the LSAT is still required. Um, LSAT or an admissions test, which they can use the GRE if they want. They can Mm -hmm. use the GMAT if they want. I mean, I think they can use any valid, whatever that means, test. So they can use use whatever they want. Yep. Yeah. So um, the LSAT is here to stay. Uh, I wish I would have known what they did about the 509 or 501 thing. I don't understand that at all. I mean, that just sounds like bullshit to me. Like law schools requires that law schools only admit candidates who appear capable of completing law school. Okay. Well, for one, anybody's capable of completing law school these days because they just don't really like to flunk people out. I mean, the only reason why they're going to flunk you out is if they think you're going to not pass the bar. Like if they're Mm -hmm. sure you're not going to pass the bar or if you're like being a problem at school, like if you're not showing up, you're not taking your exams and you're getting an F in every class, then okay, now they're going to fail you out of school. But if you show up and you like actually just do the final exam, like if you bring some notes with you and you attempt the final exam, it's like very hard to fail law school. At least that's my experience. Because if anyone was going to fail, I should have fucking failed law school. I mean, I did not Mm -hmm. study. I had nothing. I had no game at all. And like, I didn't even get C's. I agree with that. (laughs) I got got like B's, you know? I mean, they wanted my tuition money. And that's very clear. So as far as like, oh, sure, yeah, they this person appears very capable of uh, continuing to pay us tuition for three years. I mean, uh, you know, they feel they, they look very capable of completing our rigorous legal education. So yeah. there's that. And then appear capable of passing a bar exam. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> if you're one of these schools that has a 20% bar passage rate, hey, one out of five of their, you know, well, we, th- we, we believed in all of them. Oh, yeah. The, the rule is weak. Who it are we to, to judge? They need to focus on results, not appearances. Yeah, this is the, this is the same problem we were talking about before with perceived value and actual value, right? They just need to say, "Hey, look, you need to make sure that over half, or over seventy percent, or over eighty percent of your graduates are passing the bar." I mean, we could start with half. 
We could start with half. That'd, that'd be, be <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be yeah. that'd be a good start. And if you're not doing that, then figure it out. We don't care how you do it. Just do it. Or get out of the business of law school. Half just seems so reasonable. It's like <laughs> there's just a fairness aspect to it, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah. if it was 50%, I would sort of be like, okay, you know, at least now you realize that schools, it's like when they admit you, what they're saying is, you know, at, at some of these schools, what they're saying is you've, you've got it, your cohort, everybody in your school has at least a 50% chance of passing your state bar. Mm-hmm. That would be very, that would be a very sensible minimum standard. Yeah. I mean, higher than that would also be good, <laughs> but like it's sort of then, then you would at least have, well, okay, you know, they don't have to be so uptight because I do agree that like, we want to give people chances, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like if it's your dream to be a lawyer, okay. I believe that you should have a chance at that. Sure. But if the school is just admitting four out of five people who aren't going to pass the bar, then it's not opportunity anymore. Now it's just a scam. Yeah. Now, well, anyway, nobody at the ABA is listening to us either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's click on that hashtag. We listened and see if any of these organizations <laughs> pop up, you know, in the long run, Ben, if we're playing the really long game, we might make a difference. Like some, someday way down the road, right? Like 20 years from now, the powers Someone that who's be like, well, on this, these committees. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We might have, we might make an impact in the very long run, but these, these organizations do not move quickly. Yeah. Well, anyways, thanks Jessica for sending that in. Nathan, you want to tackle this next one? Sure. Hello, Ben and Nathan. I think the podcast is great and have been listening for about a month now. I began studying for the LSAT about a month ago. My diagnostic was a 165. About five. Whoa. Diagnostic 165. God damn. Yeah. About five days a week, I spend a couple hours studying. That's reviewing our uh, answers, reading about LSAT question types, reading about LSAT strategies, and doing practice questions. Hmm. Okay, lots of theory in there. Yeah, I would think you could just basically do practice questions and then review your mistakes. I, I don't, I don't know how much of all that theory you really need to do. I don't mind reading theory in the context of a particular question. Right. You get a question wrong, and you're like, "Oh, this is a necessary assumption question." In the context of this example, let me try to figure out a little bit more about necessary assumption questions. But just reading about it generally is. Yeah, I I agree. Probably not a good use of time. I agree. Every Saturday, I take a time to practice LSAT. I have now taken four and have scored 166, 168, 165, and 167, respectively. It is disconcerting that I am not really making any progress. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) My goal is to break 170, but even that small jump seems to me to be impossible impossible it's over wow you did your four tests so yeah i'd have to agree with this should we go to the next email yeah you're fucked give up on your plan it's it's (laughs) over for you you got no chance um okay you started with a 165 and now you have put three out of four i mean (laughs) you've never gone below that you scored 165 one more time and you also put a 166 168 and 167 on your practice record 
which those numbers are higher. Um, should we look at the percentiles for those? Uh, sure. Well, I mean, Let just me off just the top of my if... head, I'm thinking the 168. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. You can speculate, and then we'll see how close you are. Oh, I, I think 168 is like the 96th percentile. That's what place I have in my head. 170 is the 97th percentile. So this person's in the top, you know, 3, 4, 5% already. Yeah, so this is a based on a little bit outdated data, but from from the years 2010 to 2013... Mm-hmm. My student, Mike, uh, from way back made a percentile, like an average percentile thing for those years sure. for all those tests. So a 165 is the 91.5th percentile on average. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a 168 is the 95.8th percentile. Oh, okay. So, mm-hmm. so we go from 91.5 to 95.8. So that's a 4.3 percentile increase, mm-hmm. which means that if you move from a 165 to a 168, you're moving yourself past 4%, more than 4% of all other test takers. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very real difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this, Correspondent. I mean, I, I feel you, but for one, four practice tests is nothing. And for two, an improvement of three points is a lot on the LSAT. Yeah. I mean, I think this, this person, who, who, what do they want us to call him? Jackson. Um, Jackson. I think Jackson uh, is concerned because it went back down to 165, then went up to 167. But We've talked about this a lot. There's always going to be some variation. And the bigger problem here, which you just mentioned, is that I think Jackson is probably a very smart person, which is why he started with a 165. And my guess is that in school and in the past, Jackson has not had to work very hard to get good grades. And so putting in four tests, Jackson is now expecting the earth to move and the, the... nine, you know, the high scores to come in, but to a lot of people four practice tests is nothing, right? The surface is just getting scratched. Um, you have a lot more work ahead of you, especially given the fact that your challenges on this test deal with much more esoteric issues, right? They're not the fundamentals. They're random questions here and there that probably are testing some logical principle in some, a sort of unusual way. Uh, there are always a couple wonky questions on the test, and those are the kind of questions you're probably getting wrong. And high scorers figure out over time, but they're they're things you're going to need to figure out by just doing a lot of practice problems. So stop doing reading about LSAT strategies and LSAT question types. Do a solid practice section. Review it. Read about those question types. If there's a particular question type that you – or a particular question that you got wrong and you'd like a little more clarification on that kind of question type, that's no problem. But again, keep your focus on the practice problems and plan on doing a lot more. Yeah. Uh, I would expect you to do at least 
at least 10 tests before you start talking. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 10 tests is like the price of admission. Do 10 tests and yeah. then we'll know where you're like starting from. Yeah. Um, there you go. My worst section is logical reasoning with reading comp being a close second logic games. I'm getting zero wrong in consistently <laughs> just right out of the box. Um, wow. my problem is that it seems no matter how much I ingrain, why certain LR answer choices are wrong. There are always about four or five per section that I have trouble comprehending. It's not a specific type. I think it has more to do with the question difficulty and my ability to parse exactly what they are saying. Plus, sometimes it seems like the test will have wrong answers because they have quality X, but then you will find an answer to a different question that has quality X, but is actually correct. I guess I'm... Right. Yeah, go ahead. Mm, sorry. So two thoughts I have right now. One, uh, Jackson sounds like a, a math guy. So that's probably why Jackson is doing well in the logic games, but not so well in the language parts of the test. Mm -hmm. So Jackson, you need to get better at reading sentences and understanding them. You say, I have trouble comprehending them. Slow down, make sure you understand that sentence, translate it into your own words, and just keep doing that so you get better at parsing through the language. The second thing here is when you say, um, I feel like <laughs> some answers are correct in some cases, but wrong in others, that does happen, but that's because... Uh, we're always looking for the best answer, right. not necessarily the right answer. And so even if an answer is very weak, it still may be the answer that most strengthens the conclusion because it strengthens it more than the other four. Whereas that answer in another strengthened question might be wrong because there was another answer that actually strengthened it even more. Yep. So don't stress about that. Just try to understand that this is a hierarchy and we're not looking for the correct answer. We're looking for the most correct answer. Yeah, people like to quibble with answer choices. And I get it. You want to be very critical of the answer choices, but they won't like that this answer has this one little, you know, certain characteristic, which if you yeah. interpret it in this one way, it would make it incorrect. And then I go, okay, yeah, but what answer are you going to pick though? Yeah, that's, a, that's what I always say. And it happened just last night. It's like, okay, well, what's your alternative? Well, I I don't have an alternative or I chose B, but B relies on this assumption. What do you think about that assumption? Well, it's really horrible. Yeah. How, how much worse is it than the answer that is correct? It's worse. So then why are we having this discussion? Just pick the one that's best, even though it's not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. There, there has to be, there is one credited answer and you have to interpret the question in such a way that makes that answer right. Like the mm -hmm. wrong answers are wrong. And the right yeah. answer is the right answer. You know, like you, <laughs> one of them, I don't know, maybe that sounds like circular logic, but the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't do any of that. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. No, I mean, you just, you, you have to, I think your tip is right. You have to pick the best answer. And, um, as far as, uh, your thing, your first tip was also really good, Ben. The, the thing about when he's saying he's having a hard time, parsing, mm. you know, Oh, there's just four or five of these logical reasoning questions that I have a hard time understanding. Mm -hmm. That's the fucking answer, dude. When you, when those arguments don't make sense. Yeah. That's yeah. the answer. So it's not, you're not allowed to just go, well, I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm confused. You know, uh, this one, Oh man, mm -hmm. what are they even saying? No, no. Yeah. You have to like make it make sense. So mm -hmm. they are making wild assumptions in the argument that make no sense. But you have to point that out to them. You have to say, hey, in order for your logic to make sense, 
you must be making this wild leap. And if yeah. you do that, you've already answered the question. Mm-hmm. So that's the understand. And, and I think a math guy might actually be able to get there eventually to, yeah. to figure out like, Oh, I see. The idea mm-hmm. is that we are actually supposed to understand this stuff and that it actually is supposed to make sense. Even when for it to make sense, it means that you're telling them why it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like here's your yeah. evidence. You're, Cause what you're, the conversation that you're having with the speaker is, Whoa, dude, this is your evidence. And this is your conclusion. Mm-hmm. How can you possibly be making this conclusion based on this evidence? It's bizarre and it's weird. And let yeah. me think about what it would take to bridge that gap. And here's this outrageous assumption that you would have to be making. But see, that's exactly the answer to the question. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, I think if Jackson just puts in more reps, he's going to, he's going to see that. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause he's just he, like, he doesn't have enough experience to understand that that's what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. He continues. I guess I'm just looking for peace of mind from two people who have worked with many LSAT takers and presumably many who have been in my position is improvement likely to happen. If I keep working at it, have you seen others move from the mid to high one sixties into the one seventies? <laughs> Jackson, you're fine. You're going to break into the one seventies. If you keep going. Yeah. It, so you can't possibly do 40 tests without getting into the one seventies. Yep. And if you're like, Oh my God, 40 tests. That's too much work. I don't want to do it. Well then good. You're not a lawyer. Move on and do something else. (laughs) That's fine. That's totally fine. I mean that literally like if Mm -hmm. I'm not saying everybody has to do 40 tests, Yeah, but I am saying you're not ready. Mm -hmm. I I guarantee you, Jackson, you will get into the one seventies. If you do 40 tests, it probably won't take you anything close to 40 tests. Yep. But if 40 tests is an intimidating amount of work, then you probably don't want to be a lawyer anyway. Yeah. So that's fine. The, the, the LSAT is partially a test of how hard you can work. Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to work that hard, then that's probably a good thing for you to figure out now and just not go to law school. Cause there's a million other things a smart guy can do. Yeah. Like Jackson, you have a math brain apparently. Why don't you go work for NASA? Yeah. Get us to Mars. We need an alternative place to live anyway. Just uh, cure cancer. Cure cancer. Well, yeah, I don't know. Do better. I don't know. Make my fucking iPhone battery work better. Like do do something. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Thank you, Jackson. P.S. I'm currently going through Khan Academy because it offers ten free prep tests, but plan to move to both your online courses and prep test books once I am done. I plan to take the LSAT in November. P.S.S. Love your books, Nathan. Aw. Thank you very much. Uh, okay. What are those well, 10 would, tests that are offered through Khan? Do we know the, 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 the prep test numbers on those? I don't know the prep test numbers, but that's just, I'm sorry, but that's a stupid reason to take Khan Academy. If you're planning yeah, to, pay, right. to, to pay for both of our classes, you're going to get all the recent tests that you need. Um, and if for some reason you need more, uh, I think we'd both be happy to give you more. So, <laughs> well, you I can buy a book of 10 on Amazon that are more recent mm-hmm. <laughs> for $30 or $25. Yeah. You can buy a book of 10 tests for $25. Like how much is your time worth Jackson? 
Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're saving $25 literally. And you're also working on potentially old prep tests because that's probably what they're giving away is like the really old tests. Yeah. I don't know what they're giving away, but I would not be confident in their explanations given what we've already seen. Uh, I think he's probably reading a lot about the different question types because of Khan Academy. Ugh, I, I the, think they have tons of reading on that. And Khan is telling them about principal questions. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about this special type. And lumping what are obviously, some of them are must be trues and some of them are strengthened questions. And Khan is lumping them into some weird principal category, like making it look all overcomplicated and weird. Yeah. Stop today. Yeah, go ahead and Jackson, strategyprep.com slash free is Ben's free class. Foxlsat.com slash free is my free class. Do those right away. Get a book of more recent tests. Decide whether you want to work with Ben or me. Sign up for one of those classes and just get working on it for real. November's going to yeah. be here before you know it. And you're, you're, you're just, you're wasting your time. I mean, you, you should get, get started with, um, some higher quality prep yep okay next one yeah hi ben and nathan if this makes it on the pod you can call me illogical reasoner okay okay ir for short thank you for the podcast i've listened to every day since the beginning since beginning lsat prep i'm a rising senior in college with a 3.98 gpa sweet uh, well done I intend to go to law school next year, and I'm studying for the September LSAT this summer while working a full-time job. I know that the only way to improve my cold diagnostic 158 to the range that I need is to study a little bit every day. Okay. My biggest concern in applying to law school is my personal statement. Why? That should not be your biggest concern. Your biggest concern should be your LSAT score. You have a great cold diagnostic of 158 that people would die for. But yeah, just push your LSAT score up as high as you possibly can. And your personal statement can not be the best and it will still get you in. <laughs> if you get that to 168, you are definitely going to get into T14 schools. Yeah. With your 3.98. Like I don't care as long as your personal statement is just well edited. <laughs> yeah. Just don't be stupid. Say the most boring, um, obvious shit. <laughs> With a 168 and a 3.98. I mean, they might be yawning, but they're going to be yawning while they write you a letter of admission. Yeah. They're going to be like, oh, well, here's another one of these boring fuckers. All right, come on in. <laughs> like you're, yeah. You are clearly a T14 candidate if you can improve by 10 points from your cold diagnostic, which basically everybody can. All right, yeah. go on. I don't, what is this guy whining about? <laughs> All right, IR. I know that I will get in at some schools and will be a fringe to below fringe to below fringe candidate at others. That's true for everyone. Everyone is a fringe or below fringe candidate at Yale. Yep. So yeah. So what? Okay. While I hold a number of leadership positions in or a number. uh Oh, this is starting to sound like uh, (laughs) splitty. Splitty. Yeah. (laughs) While I hold a number of leadership positions in organizations in school and have worked. In a number of jobs, I'm just all over the place. I cannot think of anything overly compelling about my story to set me apart from other applicants at T14 law schools. <sighs> Don't worry about it. Just get Anne Levine's book. What's it called? The Law School Admissions Game? Law School Read Admission that. Game. Yep, that'll help. Yep, Law School Admission Game. There you go. My, um, It's on Amazon. It's like $13. Yep. That's the best $13 you can spend other than <laughs> on us. Okay. Uh, my... <laughs> 
My LSAT score is obviously the most important part of my application to work on now. Oh, okay, I'm glad you realized that. But assuming I get a score that will make me at least a fringe candidate for a T14 law school, do you guys have any tips for how to find a diamond in the rough of someone's own story when inspiration is lacking? I am sure there is something there, but I have not thought of one yet. Thanks for all you do. I hope that this email is enough for you guys to know everything about my life and tell me exactly how to write a perfect personal statement. (laughs) Just kidding. Thanks again. Um, Yeah, I would get that book. I would just also randomly think about experiences in your life that were meaningful to you. If they were meaningful to you, you can write about them in a confident way, in a meaningful way. If they're, if you're, if you're trying to think of experiences in your life that you think that others would find meaningful, you're probably going to suffer. You just have to think about things that are actually important to you and then it'll be easier to write about. Talk about a class you took this year where you got an A plus talk about one of these student organizations, leadership position. What have you been doing with that? Is it, does it mean something to you? Yeah. I mean, why did you seek that position? Yeah. Talk about a job that you've worked at that has mean that has meant something to you. I mean, if all, if all that you have done, like if you, if you really are just only doing this shit so that you can get into law school and you really are that boring, like if you don't care about any of these leadership positions and if you don't care about any of these jobs and if you don't care about any of your classes and all you're doing is like ticking off the boxes and stuff, um, you got bigger problems than just not figuring out <laughs> what your personal statement topic should be. Yeah. You know, you need to stop and take a year off and go to some other country or something. Yeah. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like you need to, you need to live a little bit, like travel a little bit. I don't know. Do mm-hmm. some drugs, like do, do something like, um, I mean, psychedelics, by the way, I'm not talking about, uh, hard, bad drugs. I'm talking about like mushrooms. Um, Soft, good drugs. Yeah. Do, do something, I don't know, like expand your horizons a little bit. If, if you really don't have any passions and interests, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta maybe shake it up a little bit. I mean, why do you have, like, do you have to go to law school right away or can you take a gap year or two? Yeah. But if it, if it, I mean, if you're sure you want to go to law school right now, it cannot be difficult to tell this story. Yeah. You, you've got 10 different stories you could tell. It's only two pages. You're going to give them an aspect of your personality that, that you want them to know about. Like a little brand. It's just a little brand name for you. And it's like it's a throwaway thing. I mean, it's going to be good for 30 minutes while they're deciding to admit you. Mm-hmm. And they are going to want to admit you. Yeah. So, yeah. Stop obsessing about the score or stop obsessing about the personal statement, get a better LSAT score. That's what's really going to move the needle. Get a better score and also figure out whether this is really where you want to go. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Illogical reasoner. Yep. You got this one. Yeah. Nathan and Ben, I was wondering if you had heard any stories of people getting approved for accommodations for the first time. Yes. I had anxiety, depression diagnosis recently, and I'm wondering if my case is strong enough to get approved. You won't know until you apply. I would love more information on this really huge opportunity. Have you heard of test takers getting successfully approved on minimal afflictions like this? Yes. Do I want to read the rest of this? 
I don't want to No, Rosa. Thank you for writing in. Um, if you are applying for accommodations, you have to sign up for the LSAT and you have to submit the application for accommodations, which you can find on the LSAC website. Yeah. You have to register first for the test. Then you have to apply for accommodations. There is a deadline. This information is all on the LSAC website. If you're not sure, you should call LSAC. They're really good on the phone. You should call them and ask what's up. Rosa's asking all sorts of questions like, should I increase visits to my regular psychiatrist? Should I blah, blah, blah? I don't know. You need to look at that application and you need to fill it out and you need to apply. Yeah, just I actually get this question a lot from people recently, I think, because they're wondering what the process is. Just get that documentation from your psychiatrist. They will tell you what they're willing to write and then submit it. Yeah. yeah, get the application from the LSAT first, probably, and bring it to your psychiatrist. Get the application, yep. Or bring mm-hmm. it to your regular physician, I think, might even work Or sometimes. doctor, yeah. All these people are willing to write this stuff. You just say, hey, look, I have a problem. I'm trying to get accommodations on a test. Will you help me out? Yes, I will. They've done this before. If they haven't, they'll just need to write something down that says, please give this person time and a half, or please give this t- person double time. And then you have that document. LSAC just wants documentation. Yeah. You send it to them, and... I have not heard of anyone getting denied in the last year. No. And we've even put that out on the podcast. Like if you got denied, we would love to hear from you. Help at thinkinglsat.com. We would love to hear some stories of people who got denied or like if you asked for some sort of accommodation and they gave you less than that, we would even like to hear from that. Because like I've heard of people like, oh, well, like they're they're gaming it. Right. I asked for double time because I, I, I I was hoping to get time and a half. So I asked for double time. And then it's like two days later, the LSAC is just like, yep, your your request for double time has been approved. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) So um, just go ahead and apply, Rosa. I think you're overthinking it. Um, Get that application, though, and uh, just just get the ball moving. Yep. That's it. Next. Yep. So this, why is this formatted so weird? I don't know. I think maybe the VIPs are getting in here doing some things. Okay, so anyways, this one says, How do you think in LSAT? I I found y'all's podcast the week before the June administration. At that time, I was looking for some quick prep for the test and interested in learning all that I could. Your infectious enthusiasm and high acumen hooked me immediately, and with my obsessive-compulsive completionism, I have now listened to every episode and made not paying for law school my mission in life, at least for the next few months. Well, you... Use a lot of words too. Before I took the <laughs> this is a fucking wall of text, dude. Oh my god! All right, it's it's funny though, and it's well written, so I guess we can tolerate it. All right, go ahead. Yeah, before I took the June LSAT, I had already received quote conditional admission to U of H. I'm assuming that's the University of Houston Law Center and Willamette. Okay. U of H. I have no idea what that is. Okay. Uh, okay. Given my family situation, four kids, wife, mess of dogs. Yeah, that's, that's a family situation. U of H Law Center or Baylor Law School are really my best, if not my only options, as I live near enough to those campuses to commute and could maybe even keep my job. Well, if you're going full-time, you're limited to 20 hours per week, I think. I think that's an ABA requirement. I thought you're not allowed to work at all during your 1L year. Oh, if really? you're going full time, I thought that For was some the reason, official I remember signing, signing something that says that I would not work more than 20 hours a week, but who knows? Okay. Yeah. You have to look into that. Of course you could consider part-time programs. 
Despite all that, I'm not opposed to moving, but it would be it would add a logistical wrinkle I'd have to overcome. Sell the house, pack everything up, etc. Hmm. Okay. I mean, that's nothing compared to law school, but okay. That's nothing compared to it's, law it's, school. It's no, a zero can... compared to law school. <laughs> Especially, yeah, okay, anyways. As for the LSAT scoring, I guess y'all would cons- call the June administration a cold diagnostic. What? Because I did less than an hour of prep before I took the exam Oops. and scored a 159. Okay, well, I'm glad you scored a 159. That's an amazing cold diagnostic, although you didn't need to take it officially to do that apart from feeling a bit plebeian what's that mean again i'm looking it up right now yeah it's what i thought it meant it means a commoner um or he's using it as an adjective so or or belonging sorry of or belonging to the commoners of ancient rome that's what plebeian means so you're feeling a bit plebeian? You suddenly felt like you were back in Rome? Apart from feeling a bit plebeian, well, hey, don't ever use this word. Yeah. You made Nathan Fox and Ben Olsen look up a word. <laughs> you don't need to be using that word. Uh, I have, I mean, I wouldn't have, I would have just gone right past it, but since we're talking about it on the podcast, like we'll look it up and actually talk about the definition. Sure. But I don't even like the way he used it. Apart from feeling a bit plebeian, like using it as an adjective in that way, apart from feeling a bit plebeian, I am. How are you actually feeling? (laughs) Well, it's, it's like shoehorned in. It's just, it's like you're trying too hard. This is a perfect example of where using some fancy word makes you look dumber. Yep. I mean, I don't really think that this person is dumb at all, but it just, it's annoying. It's like (laughs) you are not going to make people happy with with that phrase you're gonna make everybody just be mildly annoyed like you're just a little sour taste in everybody's mouth when they read that okay yeah anyway sorry yeah be careful about your personal statement when you write it you're gonna be prone to writing with big words just chill the fuck out like write. just (laughs) make it more conversational god damn yeah do you say this at the bar when you meet people uh apart from feeling a bit plebeian i i'd like another drink yeah um it's just not going to be said. I am hopeful that with proper study and prep, I could improve to the 170s for September. Quick note, please don't yell at me for taking the test without studying before finding your podcast. I blah, thought it was blah, just, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I don't care about all your other tests. Uh, next. Oh, my gosh. Who cares? CPA. Whoa. Um. Oh, LSAT calculates my UGPA as a 2.3. Oh, also, I'm asking for time and a half accommodations with my back issues with appropriate documentation. I think that will help tremendously because I had to guess on four or five questions running out of time. <laughs> this shows the problem with the accommodations. It, it really does. I mean, I, I want to like we talk about the accommodations thing too much, I think. So we should probably just stop. Yeah. But I want to say this. Most people do not have enough time to finish the sections in 35 minutes. Most people shouldn't finish. And you can score like 80th percentile or 85th percentile or even 90th percentile without finishing the sections. People should not be finishing the sections. Most people should not finish. So if you think you need accommodations so that you can finish, then that's just special treatment. 
Well, that means that we should give accommodations to almost everyone. Right. And that, then that's not now like accommodations for any kind of difference. That's just, I want to score higher on the test. I want to have enough time to complete the test. And I'm not yelling at um, BAH in Texas. What was that for? I have no idea. BAH in Texas. Maybe it'll become clear later in the email. Um, I'm not, I'm not yelling at you. I don't blame you for like applying for any accommodations that you think you deserve. But I'm, if like, if by some stroke of magic, like someone who has power is listening to this, most people shouldn't be finishing. And if you're giving accommodations so that people have time to finish, then you are not leveling the playing field. You're actually giving an unfair advantage to people who are getting more time. Mm-hmm. Just, Especially someone who has a cold diagnostic of 159. Exactly. Right. This is somebody whose cold score is way above the 50th percentile. That's with no mm-hmm. prep. And you're already way above the 50th percentile. And now this person's going to get extra time because they had to. Boy, I had to guess on four or five questions. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, everybody should be. Most normal people should be. And you could totally go to law school with that. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, and I, I mean, I'm yelling at the LSAC because their report, remember that report we talked about on one of the earlier episodes Mm -hmm. where it was like, most people who get accommodations have enough time to finish. Hmm, That's (laughs) odd. (laughs) That's odd because most normal people do not. (laughs) I I was, I gave a, um, I, I was giving practice sections in class last night. I gave a section of logical reasoning and a section of reading comprehension and mm-hmm. not one of my students finished either of those sections in the 35 minutes. Yeah. So most people should, and I'm, that I'm yelling at them continuously about accuracy and their scores are improving because they're focusing on accuracy and not speed. And so I just, I, I don't know. I mean, the, and uh, you know, time and a half is like an unfair amount of time. Yeah. Time and a half is already basically unlimited time. For, for most, for most people right now, if you have, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously people have major issues that I feel like it is fair that we accommodate for. Yeah. But this just sounds like, man, my back hurts. I want to get extra time. They're, they're probably going to give it to you too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Okay. I'll shut up. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I agree. So uh, B-A-H, ba continues. LSAT calculates my UGPA as a, three, a 2.3, but over half of my undergraduate coursework has been at a competency, competent, compet, what, what the heck? I can't say it right Competency. Now. Competency. I'm not competent in saying competency. What is wrong with me? You keep saying competency. I know. I have this, like, I, I told you, I have some, like, problem. I should have gotten accommodation. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't pronounce things. I just remember them, how they're pronounced. Competency. Competency. What there you the go. heck? Okay. God damn. Um, competency-based university. Wait, hold on. So, but over my, <laughs> half of my undergraduate coursework has been at a competency-based university where there is no GPA. Okay, so what? The GPA that you were given was low for the great, for the classes that you did get GPA for. Everything is essentially pass fail on average, and I complete about forty hours a semester. What? My I, questions I, I are know. these: How would I go about explaining, and would an addendum that explains this hurt worse than help? No, you need to explain your GPA. 
and you need to come up with a good way of explaining it. Does your personal ser- personal statement service? Oh, I, I I was looking at that as a verb. Does your personal statement service include some help on addenda? Nope. Also, I have completed three masters and I am in the middle of a third undergraduate degree, which I'm also not sure how to will be received in an addenda. I'm trying to explain the poor statistics LSAC has generated. No, don't blame LSAC. Gosh. I know. Take responsibility for the fact that you got a 2.3. You can't do that without doing poorly in a class. You need to explain why you did poorly in those classes or point them in a different direction. Um, gosh. Three masters and a third undergraduate degree. What are you doing? That are, is, are, are you going to law school because you're addicted to school? I really don't get it. A third undergraduate degree? I don't, I don't understand okay. what's going on. Neither right. do I. Okay. Uh, and without asking for any stats, Jubation, I'm hoping for some insight from y'all's network and knowledge about possible fur rides in the flyover state, specifically Texas, as that is where I am. You're just going to have to look at your schools, look at the 509 reports for the schools that you're interested in, and figure it out. Um, well, we also just have that recent thing posted um, in the last episode, right? Of yeah. the top 50 from above the law with scholarships. So you can check that out. Maybe there's something in Texas. Yeah. This is interesting. He says, in all cases, thanks for the podcast and even offering this type of Q&A. Sure. <laughs> I hope we've answered some of your questions. If I hadn't stumbled across thinking LSAT on Podcast Republic, I've never even heard of that. I'd probably still think that it was just another test and get giving another dry run try in July. Well, good. I'm glad you found the show. I genuinely think that y'all have changed a life and by extension, five others in my family with what all you have done. Great. Until next gigum and God bless gigum. What does that mean? No fucking clue. (laughs) That sounds like some Texas shit. I don't know. There's a reason why they're flyover States, dude. I don't know. You're talking to someone on the West Coast and someone on the East Coast. <laughs> Thank you, Ba. I still don't understand. Be, it, yeah, I don't know. There's so much, so much confusing <laughs> shit here. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to get another email from this correspondent, but this this time it's going to be filtered through the VIP. Supreme gatekeepers. So that might make it back to the show or it might not. We'll see. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Good times. All right. Next one. Yeah. Thank you for writing it. We, we, we have fun. We have fun. Don't we, Ben? (laughs) We do. We like you. (laughs) Yeah. Gentlemen. First, thank you for all you do. I wish I was financially able to support your work instead of being the freeloading bastard. I feel like I am. I'm still probably going to sign up and donate a few bucks a month on Patreon and just skip my coffee once a week or something. The show is super helpful, as are all the other free resources you provide. Now to my main point. I feel like I've hit a plateau in the Logic Games. If I can finish the Logic Games section, I'll score around a 95 to 97 raw score overall. Minus two is my worst average score in LR, minus one in each section, usually, and minus three in reading comp. When I finish the games after time is up, I get all the questions right. I average 19 out of 19 attempted, but I just can't get through those final four or so uh, questions. Yes, I'm doing timed sections and blind review. 
I have also gone through Nathan's Logic Games playbook twice. I just started it for the third time, but I can never finish the fourth game, especially on newer tests. It seems to me that there are more hybrid games which throw me for a loop. That is based on anecdotal evidence, not a studied count. Uh, All that to ask, A, if there are indeed more hybrid games in newer tests, B, if you have any recommendations for focusing my studies on hybrid games, for example, a particular game that helped you to understand them better. C, if you have any advice for busting over this hump, other than, of course, to keep doing my daily timed sections. I don't mean tips and tricks. I'm just looking to narrow down my study on those sections that give me the most trouble. What do you think, Ben? I would start doing timed 35-minute sections from other tests other than repeating your book. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also would say try to do different games different ways. Yeah, that's a good idea. This is something that I've been doing a lot recently myself, and I've Mm -hmm. been doing it in class a lot. I've just been like, hey, you know, what if we picked, like, here's a bad idea. Yeah. How about if I make worlds based on this random player? Yeah. And I'm shocked how often it works out. Yeah. How about if I make worlds, you know, like I've, I've done this game 20 times before and I've always made worlds based on this one thing. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. what if I pick this rule instead and I make two worlds based on this rule? Yeah. And it's, it's crazy how often it works out even better than what was already a good approach. Yeah. No, that's actually a really good tip. Last night uh, in class I did, you know, that game, I think it's nurses. All I can remember is that L is either one or three. Do you know that one? Um, yeah, like there's a rule that says L can't be second. That yes. one? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's so like the I, first breadcrumb, by the way. I love that rule where it's like, and L can't be second. Like yep. nothing, nothing to see here. It's just L can't be second. <laughs> That's for sure not the solution to the entire game. Don't worry about that. You know? Yeah. It's like heavy handed almost, that little clue. Because if you focus on L, then yeah, you realize that L can only go first or third. Yeah. So what I do is I do that game two worlds. I do two worlds for that game based on L. I say, hey, look, L is either first or L is third. L being first doesn't do a whole lot for the game. Uh, It doesn't really fill up that much, but L being third fills it up quite a bit. And so then I go into the questions with those two worlds. And even though one world is not very full, the fact that the other one is very full is still immensely helpful because if ever a question does not match up with that second world, then I know at least I'm in the first world, which means L is first. But in any case, um, when we finished talking about the two worlds that I just created, I said, um, you know, who, who else did worlds for this game? And uh, Kelly, this wonderful student, said, well, I, I did worlds, but I did it on the basis of GK. And I said, oh. I never thought about doing it on the basis of GK before. Uh, let's see, how many worlds would we have to create if we did that? And she said, three. And then I said, how full did they get? And she said, well, they were very full. And so I'm sitting here looking at a world that's very full and a world that's pretty empty. And I said, well, okay, I've never thought about that before, but shit. <laughs> Maybe you figured out a better way to do this game. Let's do it. So then we did it. And it turned out that um, they maybe weren't as full as she had thought, but it doesn't really matter. The point is, is that there are many different ways to do these games. And I would say that most people are not doing worlds. They get the concept after hearing us talk about it, after seeing us do it in class, whatever, but they're still not doing worlds as often as we do them. And sometimes there's this sense that like, oh, well, I didn't do worlds for this game and I finished it and I got them all right. 
So you I know, just need I to figure need out how to, to do the exact same approach, but faster. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like, no, <laughs> you need to attack it in a different way. Yeah. You need to try different things. And the other thing about worlds is that it's, it's like heavy lifting for the games. Uh, if you can do worlds, it shows that you know how to look for rules, look for open variables and make inferences based on that information and to keep the ball moving forward. So even if you did well on a game, can you do it a different way? Are you a flexible thinker? Are you a flexible game taker? Or do you have to do it one rigid way and therefore are stuck in that way? But here's the other thing. I just want to say this. Um, but uh, for all these people who finish games and not finish the section, I'm just talking about finish a game, get all the questions right, and they don't do worlds, and they're sitting there and they're saying, well, I didn't need to do worlds and it worked out for me. I often ask, well, how long did it take you? And they say something like 11 minutes. And I'm thinking, well, that's not bad, but I just finished this game in seven. Do you want four extra minutes? Or Yeah, or I finished it in five minutes or four minutes. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's it's even faster. But four minutes is huge. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, yeah, so, I'm done with my rant. No, that's you're, you're absolutely right. Do worlds and do worlds in different ways so that you get better at doing worlds. Like do the same game three times, but three different ways. Choose yeah. a different variable, choose a different rule. Do worlds on some other some other you know, like plane, like do it in some other, um, what am I looking for? Uh, dimension, like just do it in some other, yeah, some other way. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as the, are there more hybrid games? I, this actually, um, betrays a bit of a misunderstanding about the test generally, I think mm -hmm. like you're thinking about games categories. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, there's no such thing. Uh, there's just no such thing. There are games that have sequencing elements. There are games that have grouping elements. There are games that have mapping elements or mm -hmm. selecting elements or all kinds of different elements. And you need to start thinking about every game as a hybrid game. Yeah. I mean, like, what about these sequencing games where there's two players on Saturday or two players on Monday? What about those? Yeah. Well, those are hybrid games. Yeah. Right. Because there's a, there's now a grouping component to it because two people are going to go together on one of the days. Yeah. So it's still mostly sequencing, but it's also grouping. So now are you going to shit your pants because it's a hybrid game? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think people, they, they like, they look at game one, especially they look at game one. They're hoping for it to be a very basic linear sequencing game. Yeah. Because they think about categories too much. They think mm -hmm. they're good at sequencing games. So they look at game one and they go, well, I hope it's a sequencing game. And then it turns out to be something other than that. And then they freak out because it's a hybrid game. <laughs> they automatically think it's impossible because it's a hybrid game. Mm -hmm. And that to me just means that you, you should never have been thinking about game types to begin with. Yeah. And you should have just been thinking about, I don't know. Yeah. How, what, how do you feel about every game is a hybrid game? Every game is a hybrid game. Sure. Yeah. And it's just like it basically, you know, every game is something slightly different and new. They're always throwing in new little wrinkles. Mm -hmm. And so if you're worried about 
are there more hybrid games on newer tests? And do you have any special tips for focusing my studies on hybrid games? I don't think you're thinking about it the right way. Yeah. Um, okay. Continuing on. Yeah. Wait, are you reading this one? Yeah, I am. am I? <laughs> and now for something completely different. What is y'all's opinion of going to law school with a family? I'm married with a kid and one due in January, preparing to apply after I take the September LSAT. I'm definitely not going to pay for law school. That's what the rich kid's parents are for. So don't worry there. I won't go if it ain't free. I just wanted your take on the situation. I don't know if I'm a non-traditional student, but I've got two kids at 26 and have put myself through undergrad while my wife has been a stay-at-home mom. Wouldn't that make me hyper-traditional? I don't know. Well, I mean, it makes you pretty basic as far as like Americans are concerned, but it doesn't make you hyper-traditional for law students. Probably back in the old days, people used to go to law school with kids all the time. Yeah. Right? Nowadays, you're going to be competing against a bunch of single people who, yeah, anyways... Gunners. Don't have kids. Yeah. Yeah. Gunners. Um, <laughs> no, you don't want to appear to be a gunner, according to <laughs> that one admissions consultant agency yes. that will remain nameless. Yes. Yes, you do. You yeah. absolutely want to be a gunner. Um, uh, what are our thoughts about that? Uh, I would have a serious conversation with your wife about what your life is going to look like so that you just go into it with expectations of how to manage your time and your money. Yeah. See if you can, problems. you know, like as part of that very serious, frank conversation that you need to have, you should Google, uh, I mean, I don't know if you can find this information, but like divorce rates for law school. Yeah. Divorce rates for law school, divorce rates for lawyers, um, drug and alcohol dependency rates for law students and for lawyers. Mm-hmm. You need to talk to your wife about all that. Yeah. Um, and you know, have a little come to Jesus with yourself about it. Yeah. And, and, and really think about why you're making this choice because yeah, you are going to do a very extreme thing to your wife and to your family and to yourself. Mm -hmm. But I think if you talk about it and make a plan, you can make it work. It's just, you have to plan for failure to avoid failure. Yeah. Yep. Thank y'all in advance. You can call me Jonathan if you want, or you can call me something cooler. It's not like the government isn't reading this email and snorting every minute of the podcast off the interweb. They know exactly who we are. Also, sorry sorry for any typos. I'm writing this from my phone. I'm not sorry for how long this email is, though. I'm long-winded. It's who I am, and I've come to accept it. (laughs) Cheers, (laughs) y'all. Jonathan. Uh, Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, well, I mean, that was a long email, but it had like lots of different questions in it. And it was not just like, blah, 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 bunch of nonsense. That was was fine. You were fine, Jonathan. That was a pretty good email from something written from a phone. Not bad. Although I'm wondering why Jonathan decided to capitalize after using a semicolon. That's not correct. Ooh, where? Very last sentence. Hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm long-winded semicolon and then it's who I am, but with a cap there. Yeah. That's probably, that could just be the iPhone auto something. Although that would be an incorrect auto something. Yeah. Also the M dash in the previous sentence or the two mm. sentences previous. Yeah. When you use an M dash, you don't put spaces around it. Oh, there's three of these in the, in the uh, email too. 
Mm. So I love an M dash, but if you're going to use the M dash, ain't no spaces around it. I don't know that I'd use an M dash there. Oh, I'm not saying I love these particular M dashes, but I, I, I like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm fond of them. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Next one. You have time for one more? I do. Okay. Hello, guys. I've been listening to the podcast since March. I appreciate the advice and banter you both share. I've taken your advice on doing daily practice sections followed by thorough review, and it's been helping improve my mindset. So thank you for that. I was curious what you think of these three hypothetical situations. Imagine you come across a test taker who scored a 170 but missed all 10 questions on a single section. That's assuming you get 10 wrong to get a 170, but... Oh, yes, this is what he says. Assuming the curve is minus 10 for a 170. Yes. In your opinion, which scenario would be the most concerning to see a prospective law student experience? The student who misses all 10 in logical reasoning, a student who misses all 10 in the games, and a student who misses all 10 in reading comprehension. Okay. Um, he goes on. My thoughts are varied. Well, I guess we should stop here for a second. What would be the most concerning? Yeah, I don't think we care about this correspondence thoughts we can give our thoughts that's what people want. yep um <clears throat> i my gut says i would be least concerned about the minus 10 on games okay um and that's just well actually i mean is this like a cold diagnostic or is this somebody who has been studying for a while well wait i think this is are you asking? Oh, um, this is for a law. Actually, somebody in law school. Like you're not. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Are you going to succeed in law school? Ah, okay. Having great. been the person who Good. got minus ten in reading comp. Good. That's a more interesting question. Yeah. Um. Hmm. If yeah, if you're prepping for the LSAT, the minus ten in games is by far easiest to fix. Um, but if it's you're like going to law school with this. Hmm. Hmm. So would you rather have perfect reading comp, perfect games, and minus 10 LR? Or would you rather have perfect LR, perfect games, minus 10 RC? Hmm. <laughs> so I'd rather, have, I'd rather have the person have minus 10 in LR, because that really just means they got minus 5 in each section. So. It says on an LR section. <laughs> Yeah, but then they'd have to get minus 20. They'd have to get perfect on the other one. Yeah, okay. So this is a little bit, a little flawed. The reality is, I don't care. I think that there are different, (laughs) (laughs) I I think there are different skill sets that people are going to bring to the table when they go to law school. I think that if you want to talk about success in law school, you got to be good at reading. So I would be most concerned about an applicant who had minus 10 in reading comprehension. I think you're going to struggle the most because you got to read a ton of cases and apparently you're not very good at following the structure or the details. And that's why you're getting minus 10 in reading comp, even though you're acing logical reasoning and you're acing the games. So when it comes to law school itself, I would be most concerned about people who suck at reading comp. Yeah. But in terms of life, who cares? I mean, if you're good at the games and you suck at reading comp, then you're going to go off and be maybe an antitrust lawyer. That's great. You can use your math skills to do law in an area of the world that requires very precise analytical thinking, but maybe not so much about reading. Yeah. Um, but if you suck at games 
and you're very good at you aced reading comprehension, then you're going to go succeed in law in somewhere else. I, I I don't know that this matters too much. All of these people scored a 170, <laughs> 170. on the LSAT, which means that you're plenty bright enough to to cut it as a lawyer. Like I'm not worried yeah. about any of these people. Yeah. Um, I'm least concerned about minus 10 in games just because mm-hmm. games is like this weird esoteric thing and yeah. lawyers tend not to be sort of mathy and there is a mathy kind of a thing and you could just be getting intimidated because these are weird logic puzzles and who knows, like you just don't think you're good at games or you don't think you're good at math or whatever like that. So then I'm, I really wouldn't care about that at all. I agree yeah. with Ben. If you're minus 10 on reading comp and then it's like, whoa, are you just being lazy or do you actually have like some reading problem or yeah or what but then it i mean the truth is no one would ever be minus 10 on rc but be acing the logical reasoning that's just not that's not a thing and it's not the thing it's not a thing the other way around either mm-hmm. no one's going to ace rc and be minus 10 on lr it's not that's not also not a thing so um yeah. unless you just didn't prep right because i mean like you on on lr and on games you could just not have prepped mm-hmm. yeah i don't know yeah. Okay. So do we want to thank you for writing in? We're yeah. Th- yeah. Thanks for writing in. Um, I guess we don't have a name here, uh, but we appreciate your uh, crazy wild hypothetical. Thank you very much. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was trying to look at the end of this. Oh, if you want to read it, you can. Well, I was just wondering if there's anything interesting here. Typically the questions I missed are past number 18. That's true for most people because they get harder. I'm trying to consistently reach a designated mark of answering 15 questions in 15 minutes. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo. Wherever wow. you got that advice, stop listening to that advice. If you made that up yeah. yourself, then stop. Stop mm-hmm. it. That's yeah. an arbitrary, like 10 questions in 10 minutes or 15 questions in 15 minutes. That's your fucking problem. Stop it. You're not thinking about the question in front of you. Just do the one question in front of you and get it right. Stop with these stupid <laughs> timing targets. Do you remember which company made that video that we were making fun of uh, like six months ago where they said, oh, you have, it was a big company and they said you have one minute and 23 seconds or something for each Ugh. question, logical reasoning. Do you remember this? I don't know. I, I do know that the PowerScore book that I, that I first taught out of said 85 seconds per question on the logical reasoning. Oh my goodness. Which is just exactly counterproductive. Like that is not what you should be thinking about ever. Yeah. Were you going to start reading a question and then look at your watch and be like, okay, 85 seconds. That's not going to mess you up. <laughs> You're not going to get stressed about that at all. <laughs> oh, it's at 80 seconds. Okay. Well, I'm just going to go into the next one so we can get moving here. Yeah. I've been, I've, I've spent 86 seconds on this question. I have to just guess and move on. Yeah. No. Absolutely not. All right. Well, anyways, thank you for writing in as always. Um, We love what we do and we love that you guys support us. So let's see. That was episode 153. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.